favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. Mike and Ethan, or Alf will not be seen tonight. Guess what? This is another special event, and we have another special guest who's a special friend, and she's very special to us. Aww. Yeah, uh, hi. Uh, wait, did you cut out? Oh, so. son of a bitch. <laughs> wait, wait, ah, fuck it, we have to start, no, okay, just, we'll keep going, we'll keep going, we'll roll with it. So say, just yeah, say because the show is just so normally so strictly edited. We are very professional here. <laughs> anyway, continue, uh, uh, why, why don't you introduce yourself to the people? Um, hi, I'm Lindsay, better known as Morbios, uh, apologies for my, uh, bizarre voice, but... I mean, if you've ever, like, if you've ever, like, actually heard me drone on about things, it's pretty clear there's a number of things wrong about me, so. I think that, I, I think this may be one of my least objectionable qualities. Excellent. Well, I'm very excited to hear you drone on about things tonight, because we're talking about, well, what are we talking about, actually? Uh... We'll see how we'll see how many things we're talking about actually. Yeah. Oh wait, before we start, um, for those of you who um, are regular listeners, you you the name of Morbios might sound familiar because uh, Lindsay here is actually the uh, 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 arranger. The, arranger, thank you. Uh, behind our theme music, our intro and our outro. So yeah, I'm the reason uh, all the episodes get flagged by uh, Warner Music. <laughs> Do you think yeah. you can make a new one for us by the time this one records? Ah, uh, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> Look, no I, promises. I, I'm, 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 I'm going to have to get the back together for a command. <laughs> Ask oh, the God for to make us a, a, a special uh, new entry intro yeah, where they God, use it... our names and they like make jokes about Dilbert. This would be great. Yeah, God forbid. Late seventies, uh, one hit wonder rock band, the Tubes, don't get their fucking royalties. <laughs> <laughs> Which they already signed away for a sandwich twenty years ago, and now it's pure gravy for WMG. Oh, it's uh, just a, like a series of shell corporations. A series of tubes. Oh, I remember that. I get yeah, that. Yeah, remember the internet? That's, oh, that's that was a great thing. That internet. That sure was a thing in 2006. Boy. <laughs> but we're talking about something that happened before the internet tonight. That was like the worst thing that a senator ever did. Like some guy from Alaska not knowing how the internet worked. That was the worst thing a senator had done. I can't think point. of or I certainly can't think of anything worse a, a senator has done. None of those ever went and did anything that was worth jail time. <laughs> But, like, that was, 
what was considered like a normal uh, congressman's online presence. What a better time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, Before boy. they all had Twitter. It's so quaint. Ted now, wasn't attempting it? to make jokes. Oh, he was trying God. to explain the internet as he understood it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Because what's his face? What's his name? This Zodiac Killer is now an internet cut up, isn't he? Yeah, wacky old Ted. Uh, <laughs> we love our Ted. No, we don't. No one does. Uh, what politics? Actually, no politics. Nobody loves me but my mother, and she might be jiving too. <laughs> it's good that we're talking about politics because tonight's entry is all about politics. Yes, and also birthdays, maybe. Yeah, but um, I wouldn't know about that. Yes. Because once we- again, I fucked up. <laughs> well, let's establish how much you boys do know. Hmm. Like, what? how much are you familiar with, either through cultural osmosis or independent research of the comic strip Pogo? Um, okay, so I'll start. Yes. Pogo <laughs> is an opossum. That does not look like an opossum, right? And and we are talking about Pogo tonight. Um, yes, it was a comic yes. strip by by um, Walter Kelly, mm-hmm. and it's um and I know that there's like uh, there's a there's a bunch of animals in a swamp, and it's they have weird uh, speech bubbles, and it's very political because they make fun of Joseph McCarthy in the comic strip at one point. Well, we haven't missed anything so far. Okay, that's about uh, my no, that's my no, knowledge no. of Pogo. That's about a hundred percent. There, see so far, now yeah. who's laughing? And Ethan, yourself? <clears throat> How much time we got? Okay, so <laughs> all right, so Pogo got started. Someone cracked a book. <laughs> <laughs> Pogo got started sometime in the fifties, I think, and maybe maybe even earlier than that, because here's. Here's the first weird thing about it. Pogo was originally called Bumbazine and Albert the Alligator. What? Yes. There was a main character named Bumbazine. Can you guess what kind of animal Bumbazine was? A kangaroo. Batcher? Wrong and wrong. Bumbazine was a little black boy. Oh, I don't... Oh. Oh. Bumbazine, the word, actually means a kind of dark-colored fabric. So, uh, oh. can, yes. Okay. Wow. Wow. Walt, Walt Kelly, Kelly is canceled. <laughs> so, what happened to Bumbazine? Bumbazine was, was phased out because Walt Kelly learned what furries already know, is that humans are hard to draw. And it is... Uh, it is actually a key part of like a mad magazine parody of pogo uh, one of the many that were drawn by uh wally wood i should say <laughs> is that it's revealed that uh having human children in the strip would disrupt their uh their like sort of uh satirical uh representational vibe that they're going for by like directly introducing human characters. And Pogo is actually quite prejudiced against them and wants it segregated. <laughs> I guess there's a little bit of prejudice in all of us, Albert says. <laughs> now, 
I saw a panel from somewhere. I don't know what it was from. Maybe Mad, maybe some one of its competitors. Maybe, hell, I don't know. But it was a parody of Cheech Wizard from National Lampoon. And the... And it involves someone finally pulling Cheech Wizard's hat that that actually covers him down to his knees off. And it turns out that under the hat, he was Pogo the whole time. Wow. That really feels like an <laughs> underground comics like, yeah. sort of thing. Like, it, it, like uh, homaging something that only you really remember. But at the same time, like, it's kind of, it, it's kind of uh, self-effacing. I don't know. Well, that's half of me and Mike's comic output, really. So, <laughs> yeah, but, true. <laughs> so, yes, Pogo was. It started out as a comic book and then moved to comic strip format, and Pogo rose from minor character to straight man face of the whole series. And we have multiple swamp dwelling characters like Pogo Possum, Albert the Alligator, Churchy Lafemme the Turtle, Howlin' Owl. Beauregard Hound, and so on and so forth. And they all talk in this extremabobble, confusilating dialectamajig. And there's a lot of uh, wordplay and dialect. I mean, it's, and by wordplay, we don't mean clever, like playing with words the way you play with your food. Mm. And <laughs> that's it, right. It, I, I would say it creates like a very delightful rhythm thing. Uh, I suppose so. Maybe, maybe more so in the movie because toward the end of the well, of the it, special... it, well, you... <laughs> well, I understand. I'm, I'm I'm speaking in the uh, I'm speaking, of course, of the comic. Yeah, okay. where, You know, you can just read it all as text and yeah, yeah. I can, would say uh, make up. You can make up your own voices mm-hmm. for the characters that aren't kind of disappointing as they are in both the special and the movie. Yes, it's the Peanuts problem that I bring up regularly, is that, you know, these things just sound so much better in your head. Yeah. Well, I mean, the comic strip is also kind of fun in that sense, because if I recall correctly, and I mostly remember the unfortunate Pogo reboot in the the early 90s. Um, I do remember that. Yeah, where they the characters actually will speak in different fonts. So like uh, Deacon Mushrat has that kind of big black letter gothic font in his word balloons and stuff yes. like that, which is which is kind of a fun. P.T. Bridgeport yeah. speaks like uh, turn of the century circus. Yeah, poster. yeah, exactly. And that's kind of I mean, in text. It's, it's there's a lot of fun to be had with that, which doesn't necessarily translate over into a uh, film medium. Yeah, in the special they. Uh, and they do do yeoman's work in trying to uh, bring some of that in. We actually see what uh, you know what the the bear is saying, and uh, some of the weird things like maple and October get spelled out for you. But but what I remember the most about the unfortunate uh, four year you know four year lasting uh, revival was that. Uh, well, for one thing, Burke Brethed took a big swipe at it in one strip, in one of his Bloom County strips. So, oh. yeah, and Pogo took a swipe back, but it was really clumsy, and pos- it was really clumsy, possibly on purpose, I'm not sure. Huh, so what, the, what was this little skiff they had? Little well, they, well, the characters in Pogo learned that they'd been uh, learned that they'd been sent up by Bloomsbury, as they called it, which is probably the funniest thing. <laughs> 
is that they weren't really sure if it was Bloom County or Doonesbury. So right. they decided that we have to be we have to be a real political thing like Dunes like Bloomsbury, which basically involved all the characters walking with their arms around each other's shoulders in lockstep and looking very serious. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's maybe it has to be there. It's it's hard to describe, but I was just, just baffled by like, yeah, it's just like, hey, Bloom County, this is you. <laughs> I do like, remember that um, the the rebooted uh, Pogo was political because they did make fun, they had George Bush appear as like a rabbit at one point. Yeah, yeah I, I shared those strips. Oh, Discord was uh, HW as a a rabbit with like Longhorn. Uh, horns uh, Longhorn on them. jackalope, yeah. And, oh, yeah, and uh, and Saddam was a snake that needed to be blown off the face of the earth. Ah, well, you know, Political. subtle stuff yes. for the yeah. kids. Well, Saddam. Well, for <laughs> those of the kids at home, Saddam was something that was in the cultural consciousness at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was this weird push to like, like among like the cornier aspects of comedy to make like Saddam in the early nineties, the new Hitler as like a guy that everyone could kick in the pants. Yeah. Um, like if it, I, I, I know it's very beloved in some circles, but hot shots part. <laughs> is especially infamous. Yeah. They really wanted to make him the new not that's the new Hitler, the new Darth Vader. Yeah, um, that actually reminds me, and I don't want to derail too much, but I'm just can I tell a quick story about a Saddam? Uh, uh, someone oh, spoofing on Saddam in that time period. So was it like uh, uh, was it like him getting a wedgie um, T-shirt? Not not nearly that clever. But here's here's the thing for you. So um, there is a the U.S. State Department has an industry magazine called State Magazine that they distribute to their diplomats. And it comes out every month. And it's basically, you know, a big magazine full of like, oh, Joe Smith has gotten the ambassadorship to, you know, Shittistan. Give Joe a hand. You know, shit like that. But um, Oh, real capital steps, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. Well, let me tell you, the back inside cover of State Magazine used to have a comic on it. The comic was called Supercrat, the Super Bureaucrat. And everyone, yes. Oh God, did you? My <laughs> eyes rolled so hard. Ouch. Well, Supercrat. I generally, on the back of my head. <laughs> well, interestingly, Supercrat was drawn by Chip Beck, who apparently was a CIA spook before he became a cartoonist, which is kind of an odd career move. But yeah. you know, oh, just like Tom King. Yeah. There you see. There you go. I guess it's it's not as uh, unusual as you would think, but um. Anyway, so he had a uh, comic in the back, and usually it was like super crat, like, you know, I can't get enough pencils. I need a pencil sharpener. I need more paper, like that sort of shit. And they did a, a comic around the time of the Gulf War where Slam Bam Insane, uh, yes, had invaded uh, the from Iraq, Nid, had invaded uh, the neighboring country of Rattan which was a recurring uh, ad country in this comic, to, in order to steal all their, like, rubber stamps and rubber bands and paper clips. 
which Supercrat needed because he was a super bureaucrat. This became a continuing storyline that actually went on for years after the Gulf War ended because he could only update once a month. There's anyway, that's that, the end uh, of the famed CIA wit for you. Yeah. <laughs> you, sh- you should have seen it. I was doing those violently ordinary rejoinder things. He <laughs> <laughs> just knocked over back. with every bad, every not even funny pun. Yeah. So compared to that, uh, tonight's Pogo uh, thing is actually quite quite sharp political satire. Yeah, like, uh, gee, what? Uh, let's let's pick up where we. What else is there to know? Uh, uh Ethan, is there anything oh, okay. else about Pogo? Anything else we should know about Pogo? Okay. Well, Wikipedia says that uh, Pogo, that Pogo and Albert are considered a great comedy team in the style of uh, Laurel and Hardy, which is kind of weird because they never get paired in either of these uh, things that we're watching. Yeah, huh. it's, it's so weird how everyone writes about oddly sentimental fashion. Like, yes. it's, se- several, uh, several of the collections that I have at home... I uh, like refer to them as being the Oki Finoki Repertory Company. Like it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Silent Generation. Well, it is funny because Pogo is like. I mean, I don't want to slander Pogo because, of course, I'm I'm not familiar enough with the comic to slander it properly. But it's, boy, it's old- very genteel. Yeah, old people love Pogo. Or what I should say is um, old, old cartoonists. Um, old love cartoonists. Pogo. God, you know who won't shut up about Pogo? Fucking Bill, Bill Watterson. Watterson. Yeah. Oh, Pogo. It's so good. Pogo. Fuck off. Uh, oh, Pogo. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm in the car- Comic Strip Hall of Fame. Look at me. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you want to talk about like Pogo? Oh, sorry, you cut out there. Okay, so, mm-hmm. okay, but do, do you want to talk about, like, the embarrassing accolades Pogo has gotten? Yes, oh. please. Okay, oh. so there's a huge uh, Fantagraphics complete collection set that oh, no. I am in the process of collecting. Oh, there's wow. There's five volumes so far. The first is has a foreword done by columnist Jimmy Breslin, who you might recognize from uh, the movie where he voices P.T. Bridgeport. He was a close personal friend of Kelly's. And it's interesting, like, all of his anecdotes, like, just sort of hint at Kelly's own real-life alcoholism and philandering. But, like, <laughs> they, they, do, they do it in sort of a sentimental... Like, that lovable drunk. Like, that, <laughs> like, he describes him as a patch of Irish sunshine... That he could be like warm one minute and moody the next, and as someone who is descended from the Irish herself, like I just find that a way to say like he was a big old mech with mood swings. Like okay, great, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> and like the by the way, the the other thing that Jimmy Breslin is most famous for, the aside from being like a champion of the working class, is the time that an Asian columnist called a piece he wrote sexist and he stomped around the office the next day yelling racial and sexual slurs <laughs> and was put on administrative leave. <laughs> good, good. So, 
So apparently he just like walked in in this black rage and yelled, that bitch, and then he left. (laughs) (laughs) What a cool guy. Wow. I'm just imagining John Rocker now. (laughs) Yeah, like he could always, Jimmy Breslin, when he was alive, could always to uh, write a remembrance of his dear friend, Walt. And then the second one is kind of personal for me. It's one of my all-time favorite uh, comedy inspirations and heroes, Dan Freeberg. And then the third is where it gets interesting. The third is written by Mike Peters. Wait, Mother Goose and Grimm? M- Mother wow. Goose and Grimm's Mike Peters. Wow. So you can already see... Like, after Stan Freeberg, there's sort of a shift downward. (laughs) (laughs) And then volume four, back when he still had, like, a small amount of cultural cachet, is Neil Gaiman. Mm. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So so the slide's becoming more apparent. (laughs) And finally, volume five, five, do you know, uh, can you guess who... Wrote that, Mike. Is it Amanda Palmer? CNN's Jake Tapper. What Whoa. the f- what? 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 <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? What? You know, one of the uh, great political thinkers of our time. <laughs> oh my god. Oh I my mean, god. I was about to say Tazon Day, but wow. <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, it's like, no, oh, Tazon. Yeah. A little bit of a Sunday slide there to Mike Peters, the and then they went like thinkers, fucking right. underground. Like, bam! <laughs> Whoa, slide all the way to the bottom. Jesus Christ. Um, a pogo retrospective by John Tron. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, volume they... six of uh, Pogo, <laughs> forward by one angry gamer. <laughs> <laughs> did. did... Did they did they run out of people who had like heard of Pogo? Like, how was that? Possible? Well, this was uh, volume oh five. God. I think was Mike, when it started getting get us for the next one. <gasps> You're right. <laughs> well, you got to remember, like volume five is when the uh, simple J malarkey starts up, and like every journalist wants to be Edward Murrow. So mm. apparently. I have to assume they called Anderson Cooper or something, and it just went straight to his machine. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Because I mean, seriously, it's like there there are other media personalities. Like, really, how how many people would have had not had to have not picked up their phone before Jake Tapper got it? Before I have to assume Jake next Tapper. was like Shep Smith or something. <laughs> No, I'm thinking how many people did pick up their phone and they were like, what the hell is Pogo? <laughs> like, really the like really the only uh, cartoonist whose work I can say I love without reservation is uh, Jeff Smith. Because you can see a lot of uh, Pogo and Albert in uh, uh, Phone Bone and Smiley Bone. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Well, do you know that he created those characters when he was five? It's not surprising. Yep. <laughs> he just invented his own version of Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. And now that it made him a, uh, not quite a millionaire, but it made him a uh, living up until now. Hmm. So, yeah. it, it made him have to go out of retirement and start. 
uh, young adult novels. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what happened. Ones he always. didn't even write. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so Pogo. Wow. Um, I feel like Pogo, Pogo is kind of an odd thing in, in um, culture because I don't want to, again, like I, I, I don't want to say anything bad about Pogo, but I feel like it is something where the, 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 um, the cachet of knowing about Pogo or, or uh, is bigger than the actual strip. Kind of like Shakespeare, huh? Yeah, it's like because, like we were saying, like everyone who's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm a, I, I, I read comics, but I'm, I'm a serious thinker." So I, <laughs> of course, read Pogo. It's like I don't read these like comics for babies, these baby comics for babies. I read a smart comic for smarty pants people like me, and that's. Pogo. I mean, like the the one thing I can say is that I once uh, with a kid to UC Bird. You might you featured him. Yes, as, Alex. Uh, Alex. Uh -huh. We uh, we got to talking about Calvin and Hobbes versus Pogo, and the thing I pointed to is that while the allegory in Pogo could often be quite clumsy, it was different than a kid just walking through the snow for five days talking about like sneakers or gum or something. <laughs> That's fair. Yes. Can you believe we're still talking about this bullshit and it's? <laughs> <laughs> it is you're right because like pogo at least yeah there's like the allegory is like it's it's pretty obvious i mean you know it's like um you know it's like oh hey the politics are pretty wacky huh but at least they're doing shit as opposed to calvin who's like turning to the reader saying like here's how you should think here's uh, here's a little something of inherent contradictions did i, like, did I get lost again Oh, no, 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 just, well, maybe. no, a series of cutouts and I lost you there. So I think I missed that. <laughs> it's uh, um, not to mention that the uh, wagon rides in Calvin and Hobbes are incredibly similar to the boat rides in Pogo. Oh, hmm. that's true. They, they, they feel like the same narrative of yeah. the characters doing something while talking. I'm pretty sure um, in uh, Calvin and Hobbes, one of one of the Calvin Hobbes collections where Bill Watterson uh, pontificates at length, he goes on about how the only three good comics are Crazy Cat, uh, Peanuts, and Pogo, um, because of course those those are the smart comics for smart people. Um, so he's he's all into those, and um, yeah, so that explains. Yeah, he does kind of cribble off from Pogo, it seems. No, uh, no love for Nemo and Slumberland. No, he's like no. Bill nah. Watterson is on record as saying Nemo and Slumberland is garbage. <laughs> I, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with him. Nemo sucks. <laughs> he was There's all like, there. Yeah, he was all. He was all like, "Oh, what this fucking rare bit? Whatever. No one eats that." No, the rare bit strips are good. It's little Nemo that sucks. Wait, they're different. Yes. Oh, the, the, I mean, like, it, is a different strip. Yes, I mean, oh. like Winston McKay, like at least little Nemo, like a chance for him to show off his artist or something. Like uh, Dreams of the Rarebit Fiend is like a bunch of black and white strips featuring people who talk in the most bizarre way. Oh, um, um, oh, <laughs> oh, that dream was the pit. 
<laughs> Honestly, I love that more than I love the uh, swamp speak. So, mm. <laughs> teach it, Sean. Yep. And, so, that, and, and as long as we're slamming Calvin and Hobbes, I have very little to say slamming Calvin and Hobbes, but there is one thing that I have got to get off my chest, and I don't know when we're going to talk about Calvin and Hobbes. So let's just say that anything involving Calvin's dad going for a bike ride, that is so prostituting the medium. That is, that is selling yourself out. That is just your version of a golf strip. Yeah, 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 pretty much. <laughs> I, I assume uh, Bill Watterson was a big bike guy. Oh, yes. And, and a lot of... I picture him a as a big it. recumbent bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's basically Squidward. <laughs> but so is, uh, so is Scott Adams. <laughs> well, you know, that's why he had to retire from comics. Yeah, yeah, because he, he actually... He's, he's because he's Scott Adams. They're no, like, hey, no, go can you get Scott Adams? Yeah, wait right here. I'll uh, be right back. <laughs> do, you, do you know where there's a phone booth handy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just want to put both of them in a glass jar and make them fight. <laughs> uh, I, I secretly suspect they're more. Hmm? I secretly suspect they're more alike politically than you might imagine. Mm, probably, but Bill Watterson <laughs> is smart enough not to say anything about it. Well, I mean, it makes that's sense. The, that's the uh, perk of being a genius in exile. Yeah. <laughs> all, like, all rich geniuses pretty much have the same sort of, you know, uh, dumbass libertarian beliefs. Like, uh, I would describe uh, Walt Kelly as being like kind of a wishy-washy liberal of his time. Definitely he... Uh, made, he, he made fun of uh, communists a lot in the character of the uh, the cowbirds and stuff mm. like that. Like, he, he was more like uh, peak of his success uh, Al Cap in that he said, well, you know, I just don't like extremism. I mean, he did not have... Also, he was kind of like Al Cap of uh, Little Abner, and that he just didn't like extremism of any sort. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, the quote, he specifically said, I'm against the extreme left, the extreme right, and the extreme middle. So, But that was, that was Cap, correct? No, that was Walt Kelly. Really? Wow. It's really taking also, a stand. Uh, also, you might be surprised, both Al Cap and Walt Kelly lost their legs. Wow. How? Yeah, well, in Walt, well, in Al's case, it was a trolley accident when he was a kid. In uh, Walt's case, he was such a severe drinker and overeater that he developed uh, diabetes. They had to cut off his leg, and the doctor said, "Like you're basically teetering on the precipice here. You can't drink anymore." And Kelly said, eh, "Well, maybe I'll just have one or two more." And then he lapsed into a coma and died. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's not funny at all. That's <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, yeah, dedication yeah, to the it's craft. It's funny. It's funny. I just didn't want to say. I didn't want to be the one to say it though. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Let's let's be clear. He was very Irish. A little bit of Irish sunshine there. When the doctor <laughs> said you can't drink anymore, he was like, "Oh, I'm going to have a wee nip more." 
Oh. Oh, and then he chased me, Shalili. Yeah. <laughs> and then he uh he fell he he uh he fell off the Blarney Stone and um <laughs> into a giant vat of corn guess means we can make these jokes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> oh God. Oh, so finally, finally they can all come out. Yes. Oh. I feel like. Oh man, many... I have. We have so many more minorities we need to find so we can make jokes about them freely. Yeah. But um. So, uh, speaking of uh, Walt Kelly's secret shames, he was not a fan of one of the things we're covering tonight, uh, the Poco special birthday special. Yes. And he, w- yes, and the other one, he was too dead to judge. So we're going to assume he loved it. <laughs> All right. Which one? So um, which one should we start with? Uh, I say we well, go in chronological order. Yeah, sounds good. Also, because we've it's, most it's, of an episode already. So, oh, well, how long have we been talking? I, I didn't even time it. Yeah. I think like yeah, forty minutes, going. but that's oh it, great. It can, go, great. It, can, it, it can go a little long. That's yeah. fine. We get more out of it. Yeah, but okay. Like, so we watched the Pogo. So uh, Lindsay and I watched the Pogo special birthday special, and we're going to tell the story of it to Mike. Yeah, this is. Do you think? Do you notice the through line of these two d- very different things is a uh, porcupine being a big bitch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, he's a very uh, like he's a kind of strip. He's he's really, he's confused to being grumpy, but the thing is, you know, like a real porcupine, he's prickly. He's He's quiet. He's thoughtful. A running gag is that he does not know how to like retell jokes when they're told to him. Like he's just kind of serious and uh, sardonic. And both the TV special and the movie equate this to him being a big histrionic crybaby. <laughs> We're also told he has a yearly suicide attempt. What? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that which actually comes up in this special. Huh. Okay. This this is a kind of heavy for a birthday special. It is. Well, that's the thing. The Pogo special birthday special. Another thing is you're gonna see is that they love redundancy. They they love redundancy so much they want everything to be as redundant as redundant can get until it's can't get any more redundant. And <laughs> Maybe but the first thing, well, go on. I was gonna say, maybe is it funny? Is it supposed to be funny? Sometimes. It depends. <laughs> yeah. Now this is in fact a Chuck Jones special, so it's beautiful to look at. I, oh, he, oh, do they have really big eyebrows? Oh boy, do they ever! Oh, oh I is, love that. This eyebrows. is from the same time as he made uh, the How the Grinch Stole Christmas, I think. So it's uh, nineteen sixty-eight. Wow. 16. So I this is like. Fun. So this is like, uh, like just about to lose the foot, Walt Kelly. Like this is towards the end of his career. And I'm just and imagining like, like the 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 count the doomsday clock, but it's like a foot that's coming closer and closer to falling off. Oh jeez, <laughs> it's almost purple. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's also interesting that. 
like Walt Kelly and Chuck Jones were two Disney animators, both of which did not like the studio approach to sentimentality. And then they went and did their own things, which were themselves grossly sentimental in their own ways. And now they collaborate on this thing. And Walt Kelly absolutely hates Chuck Jones's version of sentimentality. <laughs> well, that happens all the time. I mean, remember how, you know, Image Comics broke away from Marvel Comics and just did more fucking superheroes? I mean... <laughs> it's, not, it's not like bubbles can burst. Surely there, there's always room for more competition on that market. <laughs> it's not like Marvel itself is rapidly heading towards bankruptcy. It's yeah, the no, 90s. Like We're all going to live forever. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. It's fine. This is fine. I'm sure it's all good. It's the 90s. Do a lot of horse and vote for Bill Clinton. <laughs> so what is the plot of the Pogo birthday special? Well... Birthday involved? The first thing we see is... There's kind of a birthday involved. Okay. Yes. The first thing we see is a grizzly bear come out with his bamboo cane and straw boater, and he starts making these obscene belching noises that eventually sort of revolve themselves into a song. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I was not imagining... Uh... <laughs> P.T. Bridgeport, I was, like, imagining him to sound like Parker. I was not imagining the bear, which is voiced by Walt Kelly himself, to sound like like a big grouchy bear <laughs> waking up from a heroin <laughs> And so then, after he's done with his I think he also he also voices uh, Howland Owl in that special, doesn't he? Yes, yes. It's I can same. tell because both of them sound very tired. <laughs> oh, oh, it says here that he that yeah that was voiced by Walt Kelly. Yes, oh, I, didn't re- I didn't even realize that. So I guess that's the closest thing we'll ever get to a uh, to the you know canonical voice for P.T. Bridgeport, Albert, and Howland. So. Well, they, uh, he he did a couple of records in the fifties, but oh even yeah, then, the even then the his, yeah yeah, <laughs> but, but even oh. then, like his voice was starting to go. So yeah. I have to take it with a grain of salt. All I know is and that they, they did one song from it on the Muppet Show, "Don't Sugar Me," and that song is freaking cool. So, and the rest of the characters are voiced by either Chuck Jones himself or June for or Modulation. Of course. Yes. Of course. June fucking Foray. And I want to say I like June Foray's voice for Pogo more than the one they used in the movie. I did not like it at all. Mm. (laughs) It's it's just Rocky. It's just Rocky the Squirrel. Yeah, but... She she also seems to be, like, trying... Vacillating between and not doing an accent, like, I don't know. It, it just, it did not work for me. What kind they of accent did, is it? Uh, is it, it is she doing, like, the southern-ish? Okay. 
And of course, uh, the the remainder is done by Les Tremaine, who actually yes. actually handles himself much better than the rest. <laughs> yeah, I was. I heard Beauregard the Hounds speak, and I was like, "Who? Where do I know that voice from? Where do I know that? <gasps> it's the humbug!" Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chuck Jones staple. Yeah, I had to look him up. I was like, "Wow, he's in just about everything Chuck Jones did." Cool. Okay. And he's also the voice of Churchy, and I would not have known it was the same person, so he's got a range, more so yeah. than Foray. And uh, definitely more so than uh, definitely more so than Kelly, who yeah. has one voice, and that is t- Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't have guessed those belches were the same guy as Al- who did Albert's voice, so... Hey, hey, lay off. The guy only had one foot. What do you expect? <laughs> Well, I mean, if you drink that much, that's just how you sing, you know? Mm. How would you compare it to the all-star voice cast of I Go Pope? Uh, I'd have to be, I mean, all-star? Would you say so? I mean... There there were some big names. There were names that people knew in this. There were were names that had been big. I mean, (laughs) hang on. Well, I mean, come on, Vincent Price. Yeah, I, Vincent I, Price, there is that, but that character Vincent is Price, amazing, like so. Vincent Price, Tennessee native, doing a rare. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Vincent Price. Vincent Price is always pretty much just doing Vincent Price, but yeah. you know, but he's so uh, it's just he's so smooth, so smooth. Yeah. You can't okay. you can't not love it. Okay, yeah, looking it was, at them, it I would was, say uh, I remember I remember uh, Jimmy Breslin as Bridgeport. Ruth Buzzy as uh, Mademoiselle Hepzibah, yes. and uh, Jonathan Winters delivering a rare and, I would say, like, um, <laughs> rare, very, very rare, understated performance from Winters as Porcupine. Yes, mm. it's certainly better than his performance as the thief from uh, the original cut of The Thief and the Cobbler. I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> Terrible. Oh yeah. Well, no, no. They had they had to put that in there because if there was no, if people didn't hear words, they would get confused and wander out of the theater and fall on the street and die or something. Because like, like I I need a constant stream of words in my ear or I I get scared. Oh, Harvey, when were you ever? Hey, I, I'm up for any movie that uh, riffs on itself, but yeah, we don't need we did, that one. Didn't need it. So let's see. Oh, and oh, Arnold Stang was Churchy in the other one. So that's I would definitely pick that one over the over the uh, special. And, I would definitely have to take your word for it because, like, the only available copy some serious VHS hum to it. Like, I could barely hear them. <laughs> hmm. Oh, but he was... Uh, I, I definitely recognized his voice because he was, again, in Mike's favorite movie, he was Queasy the Parrot in Raggedy Ann and Andy, a musical adventure. Oh, I thought he sounded familiar. Yeah, and so of now... course, uh, one of my heroes, I think, Stan Freeberg, was Albert the Alley. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why you just don't do your Pete Puma voice for that occasion. Like, doesn't... Does, does, I think I think Albert calls for. It. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt I felt like Albert was. I mean, for as much, you know, as uh, as 
heartbreaking as the peons to Albert have been from people like Bill Watterson. I was like, he was barely in this. He was barely yeah, in Yeah, this is a uh, very, very loose death from the uh, beloved uh, comic arc of the same name. Like, all the stuff about uh, Fremont the boy bug, like, being a dark horse candidate because he just responds just fine to everything. And, you know, like, that makes him agreeable. Fremont yeah. is in the other one, too, but I don't know if he has any lines. Fremont, yeah, that's where he was credited, but I think they cut out whatever dialogue he had. I mean, all you see him do is tie a bow. and <laughs> He may have had a line. Also, do you think it was... Do you, uh, Mike, do, Mike, Ethan, do you find it really weird when people suddenly curse there? Oh, sorry, we cut out there. What would you say? Do you find it really weird when uh, P.T. Bridgeport suddenly said the word bastard? <laughs> because no, this I thought was... it was one of the la- few real big laughs I got. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's like the rest of the movie infantile, and suddenly there's a punchline that hinges bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I wish they had I wish they had thought to do that. And Okay, Lindsay, have you ever seen Transformers the movie? Uh, not recently, no. The 1986 one? Yeah. Well, it's it's PG-rated, and that was because they didn't want a G-rated movie, because they wanted parents to see all the new toys. So, there is one scene... So they spliced in one of Orson Welles' many tans. <laughs> Sadly, no. They had a scene where, okay, they... Unicron is coming to eat a cy- eat one of the moons of Cybertron. They let it get into his mouth, and then they blow it up. Other toys is very artistically rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. I play someone or other, and he destroys something. <laughs> oh. Yeah, they they blow up a moon while it's in the giant planet's mouth, and Spike's line afterward is, "It isn't even dented." Oh shit! What are we gonna do now? <laughs> and that like, was enough to get them a PG rating. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's maybe the only time huh? shit in it. I think that's maybe the only time that Weird Al has contributed a song to a movie that has the shit in it. <laughs> Either uh, well. Maybe it, it's it's been a while since I've seen. Oh, you're right. He there wasn't there certainly wasn't any swearing in Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, did I miss something? Did Weird Al do the music for the Transformers movie? Yes, he, Dare to Be Stupid he, is in it. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> there was something very close to swearing in Johnny Dangerously. Wow. <laughs> Not quite. It was pretty fucking close though, but. <laughs> Anyway, the the Pogo Special Birthday Special, which is in fact the full title. I'm... Okay. <laughs> so redundancy. Yes. Who's, okay. So who's okay? Well, whose birthday is it? Uh, as it turns out, it's Porcupines. Except it's, it, it's not. It's, it's not. It, they're, they're agreeing. They're trying to agree on holiday best rate, and they do this by everyone going off and sort of celebrating their own holidays at once. 
yeah, it's the it's, sort of thing that works in a serialized comic strip format, but doesn't really form any narrative logic. So, so for, this is in like, fact a half hour. So you're saying this is in fact based on a comic strip arc? No, but it was written by Walt as oh. like something that would. Minus, of course, like they had to really cut down the uh, wordplay and dialect humor for TV because otherwise they would just like run too long until the last five minutes. But yeah. Hmm. so yeah, first you get uh, some get... Uh, you get some funny song song. But was it Weird Al? No, sadly, <laughs> he was uh, a teenager at this point, if that. No, it was all contributed by Blowfly. (laughs) (laughs) Albert sings the song about uh, eating someone's ass. It's great. (laughs) Wait, from James Bond? What? Uh, You're not familiar with the uh, recording artist Blowfly? You're not uh, familiar with the recording artist Blowfly? I am not. He, uh, He was a... He was a African-American gentleman who uh, was actually a songwriter. And he had a pretty good voice. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. And Believe it or okay, not, this I, African-American guy could write songs. Well, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stop. Which is that he would, like, sing a song, but it would all just be a poop or fucking or something. <laughs> Like like sitting on the dock of the bay became shitting off the dock of the bay. This guy uh, sounds this guy just sounds, like the most juvenile thing look, you've ever heard. No, this no no. This it's guy so funny. This guy understands. It's, it's really so funny. <laughs> okay. so, so he's not Weird Al, but he would be credited as Weird Al on Napster. Yeah. He said that it, Blowfly said that Weird Al which <laughs> Probably says like just how juvenile he himself. <laughs> Speaking of uh, people we admire, uh, I Go Pogo is done by someone you might recognize. Isn't that right, Ethan? Um, no. Let me see. Uh, uh, Mark Paul, Mark Paul Chinoy did a number of Sesame Street in the seventies. Hmm. Um. Unfortunately, he was not much of a writer. Or and he, in adapting one of the most beloved arcs of a newspaper comic ever, chose to throw almost all the dialogue, dialogue out and write his own. <laughs> hmm. Did, did that... he write the Cecile bits in Sesame Street? <laughs> no, that, I think that was real claymation. I think that was Will Vinton. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, no, I, I'm, I don't think I could... Uh, well, I'd have I to... I think it was Lucille, not Cecile, right? No, oh, it was maybe. Cecile, yeah. Is it Cecile? Or... The pound was on Lucille Ball, so it's Cecile the Ball. Oh, oh! Right. I didn't know she was a ball. Yes, she's on oh, the orange. Yeah, because she rolled around everywhere. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, it's one thirty a.m. Where I <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean we have to cut it short. I'm just saying. Okay, <laughs> hang on. I have to look up Mark Paul Shinoy on the Muppet Wiki because if anyone. Anyone knows about him? Yeah, that's where I learned it myself. Hmm. Yeah, Mark Chinoy, also credited as Mark Paul Chinoy, worked with Jim Henson in the late 60s. Oh, he did music separation for Youth 68. Can in making... 
Oh, he's the guy who did the the sketch that ends with Hubert. That doesn't start with an S. Dong. I'm not familiar with this one. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a deep cut. Yeah, yeah, that is a very deep cut. That is something that I only learned from subscribing to the uh, Random Muppet Moments Twitter. So let's. I thought I thought you were going. To... I thought you were going to say uh, you were. What? I thought you were going to say you were subscribing to HBO Max to get old Sesame Street, <laughs> and that just it, that just made me really sad about the commodification of the show. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it it does make me very sad, but I probably will eventually subscribe to it. Just you know, all of Sesame Street. Holy shit! <laughs> Okay, so uh, everyone is celebrating their own birthdays in Pogo, yes. as I understand, or their own no, holidays. No, they're, they're celebrating conventional holidays as like sort of a competition. Oh, yeah. You can do it. They and, get like, in, uh, the, Porky, it starts Porky with, decides uh, to uh, celebrate Valentine's Day and like get a head start on next year. So did he, they ever decide to do this, though? Hmm. Well, it, 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 it's just like it comes in a random burst of patient rushes off and decides yeah. to court Mamzelle Hebzibah. Also, who, I can't uh, state this enough. Hebzibah is A, not really a real character. She is maybe the most one-dimensional in the entire show. Oh, strip. man, that really and disappointed B, me, yeah. And B, uh, based on one of uh, Kelly's mistresses, the one that he eventually married. Uh, yeah, I think so. That was the second wife, I think. Yeah. And then she died, and then he married Selby, who has been like the most vociferous about preserving the Kelly legacy. So uh, we don't get to t- hear about things like his alcoholism, philandering. Uh, uh, well, there's always someone who's got to ruin it. It's also, one thing that they did in the credits is that, uh, is that, hang on, what was his name? The, the bear, whose name I can never remember, PT. He, uh, as he introduces everyone, they are in fact celebrating their favorite holidays. Like he introduces Albert as a out of season Santa Claus and, uh, and Hepzibah as a Valentine. And Porcupine he introduces as a Norphin. That's an, oh, that's yes. That's what? an example of rebracketing, <laughs> which I mean, is what you call it when you know un, when you used to have an aunt and an uncle, but then it became aunt and uncle. So, huh, okay. I swear this all flows so much better in print. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the I think the commonality we can say is that I, I, at least I can say, like sort of a quasi-expert on the strip, is that the, uh, the, the follow-through has just been like completely botched for both of them in different ways. Hmm. Like there's, I think there's too many, it's weird because Chuck Jones is normally known for like, uh, expert timing, but there's a lot of leaden beats in this one. I wonder how much of that is Kelly's fault. 
Well, it's, like, see, he contributed this. I don't think he did any. Which is odd because he was like a very well-known storyboard artist. It's hmm. just that he. Uh, I, th- I think this was like a case of, uh, like Chuck Jones sort of had like the Ricky Ticky Tavi syndrome creeping in. Like everything was just going to get a bit too maudlin, and mm. Kelly did not like this. Mm. And then I Go Pogo sort of goes the opposite way in that you can't form an emotional connection to anything because it's all just fucking slapstick. Yeah. Also, both of them are credited as producer under Mr. Chuck Jones and oh. Mr. Walt Kelly. It's like like you're like you're introducing them at age ninety five or something. <laughs> they didn't want to misgender like, them. They didn't want to be. They wanted to be clear. Like, uh, like it. It's like Walt Kelly is limping off the stage with his bad foot, and Chuck Jones puts a James Brown cape on. <laughs> oh, I could totally see Chuck Jones just tossing the cape on and being like, wow! <laughs> Walt, Mr. Dynamite Kelly. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, Jam Productions is proud to present Walt Kelly, the Black Moses of Soul. <laughs> I'm so. I'm still having a really hard time picturing what's happening in this birthday special, though. We haven't gotten to it yet, sorry. There's a lot to to unpack. I thought you said they were all, like, celebrating their own holidays. No. They're celebrating, like, Albert and Beauregard. Let's go through it scene by scene. Like, Churchy and Howland are celebrating the island, kind of doing their own things. And then Pogo realizes that... that uh, Hepzibah completely blows him off, by the way, because he warns her that, like, Porky's trying to court you, so let him down easily. And uh, then she's, she doesn't. She's, like, a complete so-and-so to him. And then, like, they decide to have a celebration for Porky to make him feel better. And since mm-hmm. he's an orphan they decide to create a family birthday for him. Yeah, um, they're, they're really excited about the whole idea. A family birthday, and they never quite explain what that is. Okay, wait one second. I, I have it's to when he up. found his uh, Nakam. Huh? Wait. <laughs> I gotta look up what... Um, uh, uh, I, I'm very curious what Miss Hezbollah looks like in the... Oh, Jones yes. Um, because I'm going to do... I'm I'm going to do a Google image search, and boy, there's a lot of porn. Um, she's, uh, she's a brick house, let's say that. Yeah, when she first popped up in the claymation feature, I was like, holy shit, Sabrina online. Yeah, you know. Yeah, she, I, oof, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> is, is that why you're asking? Because she's so terrible in that? She looked, yeah. I mean, she looked like fucking Casper the Friendly Ghost in that. <laughs> And I'm looking at the pictures of her now from the Chuck Jones one, and she looks slightly better. But again, they're doing the thing where they're like, she's hot, so we got to give her a human face. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't like that. Just like, I'm sorry, I can't jerk off to this. <laughs> she and needs like the to other thing, out. And like the other thing about like normie furries, 
Dewlap equals bosom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's a- got like a big like a like a big fluffy ruff over that and you're like, "Oh, okay, tits." Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it, yeah, as you do. Um the um <laughs> she's um I actually speaking of furries cuz this is this is this is my time to shine. Mm-hmm. Uh I did not realize this until I was doing like 1 minute of research for this special that we're doing now. Um that apparently one of the nonsense words that is often used in Pogo is something called Raubrazzle. 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 I don't know what it means. I guess it's one of those words. Yeah, it's uh it, characters often Sh- like shout it when they're at their oh, okay. peak of frustration. It's like sort of a nonsense curse word. So it's kind of like Port Zebi in Mad Magazine. Uh, yes. Okay. Port Zebi. Yes. Um, well, well, sort of, it's, uh, think of it like uh, your Sam v. Sam's rack. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but apparently Raubrazel was the name of an ancient furry uh, APA. So if you were like a '90s furry, you would send your um, scanned pictures of, you know, Minerva Mink or whatever to Raubrazel, which I always hear old furries talk about, and I just always think like that's a stupid name. God, I, of course, someone in the '90s would think that up with a name for a fucking furry APA. But now it's like, oh, I guess it was from Kelly, and I just never realized it. What's a what's an APA? Um, it's a thing where basically, you know how you have... Is it, nowadays... is it like a Usenet server? No, no, oh. it's... Uh, oh, no. no, no, it's not even that. It's, uh, that's ARPA, I think, right? No, <laughs> I... an APA, it's, I think it stands for something, but it's basically where a guy is like, I'm putting together a, a, a zine. Everyone sends their stuff to that guy, and he basically goes to Kinko's, photocopies and staples it together and makes copies and sends it out to all the people who had contributed to it. So it's named after the APA. Yeah. One second. I'm gonna look up why why they always talk about these. Why, uh, why is it called APA? Or am I using the wrong word, which is also entirely possible? Because I'm an idiot. Uh, it's a no. Okay. So it stands for Amateur Press Association. Okay. 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 I was really confused because I thought you meant a beer. And- <laughs> I was actually talking to the American Psychological Association. Okay. Okay. The fan lore wiki. The use of the term zine. And as so okay. Huh. Oh, okay. Wait, this oh. is okay. Very interesting. Apparently, Ralvrazzle it was created by uh Timothy Fay, who is still alive today. Uh nice guy. Um and uh a guy called Mark Schurmeister, who I only know because he is goes by the name Sherm, and I just like literally yelled at him the other day. <laughs> On, and I've, nev- I've never had any interaction with this man before, but uh, just, just two days ago, I like screamed at him on FA over current political situations. So, huh. <laughs> No respect for our white muzzle. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, Lindsay, uh, the correct terminology is gray muzzle. Well, no, I, I thought he'd be like... <laughs> I thought, be, I thought he'd be older than Grandma. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, fair, fair. Yeah, they're different look, levels. Look, we all... Uh, look, sometimes grandpas just... Uh, sometimes furry grandpas just... Pointing. They can't all go out like Symbolion. <laughs> <laughs> that guy walked it like he talked it. 
<laughs> oh man. Uh deep cuts. Uh, uh one, one, two.